Hello, wild world, and welcome back to an episode of Wild Tomorrow, the podcast. Now, a lot has happened since we last spoke. Um, we are knee deep in a pandemic that we thought was only going to last a few months. And my work just told me we're not going back until 2021. So work from home is my new normal. Uh, I need to get an ergonomic desk immediately, as many of you probably do, but that's on my Christmas list. So moving forward, though, what have I been up to? What have you been up to? And our guest today, that's what we're going to talk about. So first and foremost, holy Heck, this pandemic has been a toll taker on me, both mentally, physically, everything, right? Um, we are in unprecedented times. We're not well equipped to deal with the things that we have not encountered before. And some of the things that have gotten me through are remembering that we are just freaking human, man. Uh, we couldn't be this successful in this pandemic if that weren't true. And we need to give ourselves some credit um, because we are encountering things our brain, those little neurons up there, haven't had to do before. Some apps I've used to ground myself a bit and um, particularly keep off my COVID-15, <laughs> or actually try to diminish it now that it's got there, are the Nike Run Club, Nike Run Club app, as well as the Nike Training uh, app. Those both are free right now in the App Store, um, and they're really, really useful to get those at-home workouts. And personally, I was never a long runner. And I've been doing those 40-minute ones, and it's kind of blown my mind how much Coach Bennett can push you and, and make you want to be a better person uh, running in uh, while running and outside as well. Another easy free one is Yoga with Adrian online to get your calm on, um, as well as using the Headspace and Calm apps. I've recently switched over to Headspace, so I'm going to have a little bit longer um, sessions, but I think the Calm app is really effective if you're a first-time user. Another cool thing I've been doing lately is making my garden. We moved into a new house. Uh, we're a couple uh, streets north of Alberta now. So I have been taking pictures of plants like crazy with the picture of this app. Um, <laughs> it tells you what plant it is, all the different needs it has. It's free uh, if you don't want to pay for all the other stuff, which I don't. Um, but yeah, I have a flourishing garden in the backyard now, and I'm really excited uh, to be able to get some of my crops uh, <laughs> in the next few months. Uh, but more than anything, I'm really excited to talk to you about my guest today um, because I've had a lot of people reaching out to me about what they've been doing during COVID and a lot of people telling me about the script that they're writing for a screenplay or people who are planning on starting these different businesses when they get back or even people I've had on the podcast before who are trucking through and not letting these times deter them. And I think that constant motivation, that drive is something my guest today really embodies. Uh, my guest today's name is Zach Davis, and Zach has quite the story for us all. Um, it starts with his decision to leave Florida after college and or after high school and move over to uh, Texas. In Texas, he was in a very, very bad car accident that actually left him hospitalized for quite a bit and in recovery. Um, after that, he saw this silver lining though, right? He had that aha moment and it convinced him to go on a mission trip uh, where he went to tons of different countries all around the world. He got to meet some incredible people, a lot of incredible kids as well. Um, and then his story about coming back and how he continues to spread his word and his mission through everything he does. So without further ado, I'm going to give you a little jingle, and then we're going to talk to Zach Davis. Thank you. Uh. 
All right, Wild World, and with us today, we have Zach Davis. Zach, how are you doing today, man? Good, how are you? I'm doing really well. Um, so I've actually been spending the past couple of days looking over Zach's Instagram and his life and all the different resources he gave me, and I have to say, uh, you've lived a very impressive 26 years, Zach. Thanks. And I did see, when was your 26th birthday? Was that recently? Yeah, in end of May. So okay, gotcha. Okay, so happy belated. Thanks. Happy you had a birthday too. I did. Yeah. Yeah. But today we're here to talk about Zach Davis. <laughs> no, but Zach, um, honestly, like looking over all the things, the obstacles you've surmounted and the dreams that you've succeeded in fulfilling uh, in such a short time, I feel like really gives a lot of people hope um, that they can fulfill their own. And I feel like you take such a vocal stance on so many human and civil rights issues in society as well. And I'm just really excited to to get rolling and talking to you about everything today. Thanks so much for having me, Dylan. Of course. Um, so I really want to, and I, I think when we talked earlier, we started with your car accident. And as I looked through um, all the things you've been through in your history, I feel like the accident, and maybe I might be wrong, but isn't really the, the starting point for, for this story. I feel like from what I saw, your move from Florida to Texas really seemed like your first dive into the world and like kind of figuring out who you were and, and started chasing those dreams for sure yeah i would say for sure i think i was definitely somebody that wanted to get out of their hometown as fast mm -hmm. as they could um and i think getting out of my hometown completely changed me and changed the way i thought and changed the way that i believed and what i how i viewed the world yeah uh, and so it definitely really impacted me Definitely. And what made you choose Texas? Um, my brother was there. So he was okay. kind of like, hey, you're more than welcome to kind of come out here. But it was also somewhere where I thought it was like really, really cool. I thought it would be fun to kind of go. Um, and I just, the, it was like a whole another world, like within its culture and how it moves and how it operates. Yeah. Very uh, interesting. What were some of the biggest differences between Florida and Texas? <laughs> Um, there is like high school football is like a holy grail of like a God. So it's like really? high school football, your family, God, <laughs> your friends. Yeah. So like Friday night you would have to like very distinctly plan how you were going to get somewhere. If you were going to pass a high school or if you were going to do this because roads were going to be blocked and people really, were yeah, it was very, um, very like Friday Night Lights-esque. Yeah, yeah, which is, is funny. Me and Zach actually went to high school together, and I, I wouldn't say that ours was <laughs> the, the top event going on in any area, but football games were fun. Yeah, football yeah. games were so fun. Yeah. yeah, for sure. All right, so take me through, though. So you get to Texas. Um, how scary was that leap? What, what was it like uprooting your whole life that you've known, right, and moving to this new place? Right. So I hadn't, um, I didn't really have any like furniture or anything like that. And I was living with my brother. So I just like packed a suitcase and bought a one-way ticket and I really just kind of moved and he yeah. kind of, um, really guided me into how to make really good life decisions, how to budget my sister-in-law and him really just poured their life and like invited me into their home and with yeah. their kids. And she invited me like to mommy things and like, 
for kid <laughs> parties. And so it was like a huge transition to kind of, um, you know, leave one part of your family and like go to another and then also be on your own, but also not be on your own. Um, so I think it, it really changed me. It really uh, made me think a lot about uh, how, how good it was to leave your hometown <laughs> and how powerful it can be. Yeah, definitely. For and sure. How long after you moved out there um, did you have your accident? So I had moved there in 20, I think it's 13. And then my accident happened in 2017. Okay, so you were there for quite a bit of time before. So I was there for like, I would say not too long. And then I, I really don't remember the time, but I had gone and lived with my brother and lived with a friend. And then my friend that I knew, her and her husband were actually doing um, a summer camp. So I worked at their summer camp and then oh. basically kind of stayed and did like ranch work. And um, there was like a chapel and there was like a ballroom. So we did weddings. So I remember yeah. like, I drove one of the brides to like the chapel and that was like also the bartender. It was like <laughs> very fun. And like in the middle of Texas, I'm like middle, like nowhere, Texas. So That's it was awesome. super fun. Yeah. And then after that, I decided to come home. And I came back to Orlando for a bit. And then those people that I worked for, they worked at another camp. Um, and then I applied to that camp and the, I got to be, I worked at that camp and then had an incredible summer at that camp and then ended up getting my apartment like a couple months after camp and then okay. lived and then had my accident. Gotcha. So um, what was this, what was your primary role at this camp? It sounds like a little bit of uh, like hosting for weddings and stuff like that, but was it? Yeah. So, so it was like a summer camp. And then after camp, it was really like my brother had this really good opportunity to come back to Florida. And now he lives in South Florida. Okay. So in the middle of that, he was like, Hey, we're not going to like be in Texas anymore. Oh, so you're like, like okay. really like don't have anywhere to go. Um, and so I remember I walked the the director wanted to talk to me one day and he goes so like what are you doing after summer and I was I was never like in school or any of those things so yeah. it was like appropriate that he asked because he probably didn't know and I was just like I don't really know like I'm just kind of here he goes well I was like I really don't have anywhere to go and he was like yeah you do like you can be here and so I definitely remember like very clearly him saying that and um we just kind of talked about what it would look like to stay and then, so the wedding stuff was kind of like post camp when campers yeah. were gone. Um, gotcha. Yeah. So I really, I loved my time in Texas because I grew up as a camper and like working yeah. at two camps like completely changed my life in the yeah. sense of like the way that you, like camp just teaches you how to be a dad, how to be a good friend, how to yeah. be a leader, how to be protective, how to be gentle. And mm -hmm. you're just like, you go from just worrying about yourself to like these 21, you know, nine year old boys who just yeah. want to have a time of their lives. So yeah. really, really powerful to like do that and be a part yeah. of that. Yeah. And it seems like um, from looking over your history and even hearing that now, cause I didn't know that you worked at those camps. So it feels like doing your part to educate and I guess be a role model for children is a very important tenant it, it feels like of your life and we're going to talk about that more when you <laughs> travel a bit doing it but what would you i guess what would you say about um that part of your life 
Um, my mom was somebody that like when we were little, she would run a daycare in her home. And I remember somebody that we went to high school with was like in that daycare and like we hadn't known each other when we were like little babies. (laughs) And and then when I grew up like in um, church, my mom was like always in the nursery. So I've just always been a huge like just reflection, I guess, of my life. And so it's just something that I've always been around and stuff like that. And so I just think that, um, I don't know, it's really interesting. I don't really know how it like started or formed, but um, I just think that it's really cool. Like, I just think that kids are incredible. Yeah. Well, the future too, you know, I feel like it's, it's, it's spending time with little lights of joy that don't know hate yet. You know, it's like they're, I don't know. I think that um, children are the most vulnerable people in the world. And so I think I want to live a life that oozes vulnerability and oozes truth. And a kid's going to tell you when you hurt their feelings or mm-hmm. when they don't feel safe or when um, they want to go eat, you know? So yeah, <laughs> very transparent. Yeah. About being vulnerable and just being yourself. So. Yeah. Yeah. Well, speaking of being vulnerable, I do really appreciate you coming here um, to tell me about your story and a lot of vulnerable topics that we'll be covering. You know, I think that's like you're saying, that's something that we lose a lot um, as we age and we kind of, we let the, our clay bodies kind of become hard instead of being soft and moldable, you know? So I I do appreciate you coming here to talk about these things. And um, that brings us to though, um, if you want to talk just a little bit about your accident and and what Uh, happened there, because it it seemed like you, uh, you went to go get food and it was any regular day and then you were just crossing the street and (laughs) your life kind of changed, you know? Yeah. Yeah. So um, my friend and I were at this taqueria and we just like, went separate ways and I was like crossing the street and I just like got hit by a car and I just remember I remember like looking down and like my I was wearing a white shirt and it had like dirt all over it and like blood all over it yeah and I remember like my leg was like all cut up and I just remember like being totally blacked out but then waking up and starting to stand up and realizing everybody was like screaming at me and they were yeah. screaming at me to like not stand up and so I was just like no, I'm going to stand up. And then I remember I heard sirens and they yeah. just got like, closer and closer. And I realized they were like for me. Um, and I ended up fracturing like my C1, C2 and C3. And I was in um, like a neck brace for four months. Yeah. I was living in like wow. a, second store, a second story apartment and I couldn't even like, there was no way I could walk up the stairs to my apartment. So yeah. Um, yeah, it was a lot and it really changed me. And like, I have this weird thing with, corn tortillas where I just like don't like them because I <laughs> ate them like right before I get my car yeah. so I just think that it's like weird nostalgia of like oh man that's bad you know yeah so it's it's really interesting how um you know those that big big moments looking back it just like seems so minor to like yeah. what I've done now mm-hmm. um, but I'm so thankful because I feel like it really opened my eyes and I think I was so I was truly getting comfortable with the mundane Dylan and just yeah. the mundane of like life and of um everything that I was being like pushed to do yeah I was like just kind of coming to terms of saying this is how it can be when it surely could have been so much more yeah definitely without a doubt and I feel like that's um that's a common theme and that's um from when I was 
going to grief groups, trauma groups and stuff was that there's, there's a certain beautiful silver lining, you know what I mean? To going through some sort of traumatic process, you know, and it's even, um, like you said, you were in a neck brace and stuff for six months, like even the process of healing physically, you know, and, and then going through all the struggle of having to like rework your muscles and get them better, you know, like it going through something hard teaches you how strong you are. Yeah. more than it ever has you know yeah and you were you know sorry go ahead right i think i was someone who i was very much um prideful in the way that i would like not ask for help and so mm-hmm. i think um it had to teach me to like ask for help and yeah i think um i think i'm somebody that like very much believes that you show up for your friends like when you they need you and yeah. so i remember very clearly like telling one person or like two people i remember calling my friend and saying i just got hit by a car yeah. like literally as they're about to like put me on a stretcher and i remember he was like what are you talking about and yeah. like he was like kind of and he was like okay we'll just show your intro like he had just thought i got like an offender bender yeah and I was like no like i literally got hit by a car and i definitely remember the people that showed up in that hospital room dylan and the people that yeah. Um, bought for me in that moment and the the way that like one that like two or three text messages or phone calls like yeah. went so much further 100 so percent. um yeah it taught me a lot to like just be there for the people i love because mm-hmm. they've been there for me you know yeah and it does it it, it means so much more than people know you know it's sure. yeah you're getting me emotional okay <laughs> And uh, and uh, something that really stuck with me too uh, last time we talked was what you said to the paramedic when they were yeah bringing you over yeah I remember like I really don't remember his name I feel like his name was like Curtis or something <laughs> I don't remember but I asked him like what is your name and I, yeah. like in the meantime I'm like literally falling over this stretcher because they were going like so fast yeah and, um. I, I, he said his name and I said, this is not the day I'm supposed to die. I was like, yeah, I'm have to do, but like, please do it. And like, I'm not supposed to be gone yet. Yeah. But okay. And I remember like, you know, um, I just remember like being um, in that, like in the room. And I remember the, the woman was like, who, who can we call? Like, where, where is your family? Mm-hmm. Um, and I remember looking at her and saying, like, I don't have a family here. Yeah. I just remember um, that I was very wrong that day because I had a lot of people show up for me that were my family. Yeah. So I think um, I think I'm a huge believer that, like, your family is not your blood and your family yeah. is like, that, like, you, you know, you have to, like, live with. But um, yeah, I'm really, it's really incredible. So, yeah. Yeah. And what you were saying there about um, kind of you were in that comfortable place beforehand. How soon after, well, two, two points, how soon after your accident did you start journaling and how soon after did you decide to do your program abroad and start? Um, I started like, I've been journaling on and off for like a really long time. Yeah. Like I'll get really, really hype and then I'll kind of stop. <laughs> Same, yeah. <laughs> but um, 
when I was there, I remember I stayed with somebody the first couple of days and I remember I couldn't even like get out of bed. Like he had to physically yeah. get out of bed and he, I looked at him, I said, why is this happening to me? Yeah. And said, I don't know, but I feel like something good is going to come out of it. Yeah. Um, and so I think I looked at um, that day and then after the fact, it was probably like a week or so. I really, maybe like 10 days. And then they like had called my 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 parents and were like, hey, like this is gonna be, this is not like a quick bounce back. Like this is gonna be a long time. Yeah. And so my dad and brother came out um, and picked me up. And I remember the, I was like, so, um, I just remember like being there and so many people coming to that house. Yeah. I remember my best friend, his parents live, um, his parents, his sister lives in Oklahoma. So his parents were visiting them. And I remember she like makes this incredible like taco dip. And I like, we make it for like New Year's and like holidays and birthdays. And so I remember she like made me one <laughs> and brought it to me like yeah. in the middle of like Dallas. Like what are the odds that you would be here? Um, and so when I think about like family, I think about those people who just like in the middle of such heartache just show up so perfectly. Yeah. Um, and so on the way home, I was just doing a lot of thinking and I wasn't sleeping cause I was like in a brace Yeah. and I had saw this man and he was just like, probably like around my age and he was on this Jeep and there was like mountains in the background. Yeah. And it was like, kind of like one of those super vintage looking Jeeps or it was just like really rough. And he, um, he like had all these African children around him and I was like, what is that? And so I remember clicking on it and I remember clicking on like another thing and just like scrolling. And then I remember like soon enough, it was like six o'clock in the morning and I was just like looking at all these like resources and things and experiences. Um, and so I just decided to find out what that program was and I ended up applying for it and I got in and yeah. Uh, it, yeah. And so then I think I was like still, um, in a neck brace at that point in time. I think I think it was like July, Dylan. I'm so yeah. serious. It was like the middle of July, and they wanted me to launch that August. And I was like, I'm not in a brace. I'm like, I'm in a neck brace. Yeah, yeah. I was like, I don't think that's going to happen. <laughs> and so I spent kind of like that year just like fundraising and mm -hmm. telling people what I was going to do and like building those things to go on this trip yeah and that was that had to have been july 2018 right yeah so that was like actually we left in it was like 2017 so then we launched and we left in august 2018 awesome yeah because yeah. i know um i saw your your um post i saw one of your posts that <laughs> had like a picture of your notebook on uh, New Year's 2019. Yeah, yeah. We yeah. were like in the middle of like Africa in the, <laughs> the second poorest country in the world. And yeah, we're just like playing Fall Out Boy in these and just like dancing and yeah. African like people that work at this hall store, like who are these people? Yeah. But I just remember like, yeah, that was probably really deep into my into it now that I think about it. Well, then yeah. let's get into it then, because um, me personally, I have such a yearning to travel abroad. And actually was, my intention was to go do a lot this year. And then we got hit with the coronavirus. <laughs> but um, 
as someone who hasn't had the opportunity to do that, what, what was your experience like? I mean, you, you got to see so many different countries and cultures and, and okay. mindsets and people and children, you yeah. know, it's what was, yeah. it's a lot of times, like even traveling, like when you go for a weekend to a new place in the United States, like it's almost too fast, you know? Yeah. So what was your experience like? How long were you in each area? Like, where did you go? I guess that's what I'm getting to. Yeah. So, <laughs> it's a lot to pack yeah. in. Yeah. Um, so basically it was like a country a month. Okay. So a month would be like 29 days because you would probably travel for like two or three days. Because um, when we were in Central America, we would do a lot of buses. So it was super long. Mm-hmm. Um, and so we would just kind of show up and say, hey, I'm here to help you. And like do whatever you need and some people like had this what we're gonna do this day and this day and this day and this day and then some people like we're just gonna take it by ear and like some were just like just you know it was very very different every month um and i think when you think about it it's also like we we were 30 people but like split into teams of six and seven Mm -hmm. um and so you think of kind of like that like, like uh, I think about that show, The Challenge, where, like, all the MTV people are, like, living in that big house. Yeah. And the tensions get really high, and they're, like, screaming. And I think it taught me a lot to just be a really good roommate, <laughs> to be, yeah. like, um, less aggressive and, like, more understanding. Um, and I had a lot of strangers tell me really hard things mm-hmm. that those strangers are now, um, you know, some of my family. Yeah. And so I'm really thankful for my time with them. Um and I'm super thankful for just like my time living abroad, you know, yeah. um, that I can say that is such a crazy, cause I wanted to do this because I wanted, I love people and I love yeah. people's stories and I want to, um, to invite people into my story. And so I think mm-hmm. I never thought about like, Oh, I'm going to travel the world. I thought about like, there are so many people that like just need to be told that they're loved and that their, yeah. story matters and that their dreams matter. Um, and so for me, it was never really about like doing things like Devil's Pool or like yeah, like all these beautiful places. It was more like about people. Yeah, yeah. No, I, I can definitely understand that too. Because in my small amount of travels in the U.S., that's really what my favorite part has been is like getting to know the people who live in the place yeah, that you're, for you're sure. going to. Yeah. So what was your? So let let's talk about <laughs> Zach's mindset day before you go to the airport. Yeah. So what, were, what was going through your mind? <laughs> the day before we went to the airport, um, it was like really fun. And I remember they set up this like weekend for us where yeah. our parents could come. But um, it was actually my, my sister-in-law and brother who came for me. And I just thought it was really cool because like I had left, I had gone to Texas to live with them. And yeah. I would like, like my sister-in-law is like a, like a second mother to me of sorts. Yeah. And um, now we're like at this point where I'm going to do like this different adventure. And they were the ones that were like kind of representing me. Sending you Um, off. Yeah. Yeah. And I just thought it was really, really cool. And I remember we stood in the like drive up alley, like the valet kind of thing of the hotel. And they were about to leave. And I remember we just looked at each other and we just like cried. (laughs) (laughs) And I just remember like, she was like, you're going to do so many great things. And I remember um, like, being in the lobby of that hotel that night and just being like, like, this is like, do it. Can I do this? Like, can I do this? You know? 
And so I think it was something where I could have um, chose fear. Um, but yeah, so yeah. I think um, Donald Miller is like an incredible author to me. And he wrote a book called Through, um, Through Painted Deserts, which is actually how he moves from like Texas to Portland. I think it's Portland. Mm -hmm. And he just talks about leaving your hometown and all these things. But in a different book, he, talk, he writes, um, fear is a manipulative emotion that tricks us into living a boring life. Yeah. So yeah. that is something that I've like lived my life by. Yeah. Um, and, or tried to at least, you know, that I will not let fear win and like fear is mm -hmm. manipulative. And so I just, I remember waking up that morning and not realizing it. And I remember like going to the airport and like being in Fort Lauderdale, like this is fine. And then I remember boarding the flight from like Fort Lauderdale to Panama yeah. and everything is like Spanish and then when we landed they were like speaking Spanish and then when we landed in the airport there was like nobody there yeah everything was in Spanish it was like one o'clock in the morning yeah um, and I just remember it being really scary <laughs> and I was yeah. like what <laughs> did I find myself up for yeah um, but yeah I just think yeah. that first month was like probably the hardest month of all yeah but it was definitely the one that like produced the most fruit yeah yeah and i think that's just the the time we live in when you can hop on a plane and be transported to a completely yeah. different like setting and culture yeah. like there's there's always culture shock that's gonna go with it you know you like oh, walk in fort lauderdale airport you come out the panama airport like <laughs> yeah i think that like i never really experienced culture shock until we got to like this bus and then like 12 hours go by and the bus is like still going and I'm like, okay, where are we going? And yeah. then the bus stopped in the middle of this like intersection. Like we're on the, but we're basically like on the Florida Turnpike and yeah. there's cars everywhere. And they tell us this bus stops in the middle of like this big road and tells us to get off. And like, we're trying to find our bags like in all these things. And so I think it was so crazy. And that month was so fun. And we lived in this neighborhood called Las Lajas and yeah. We literally lived a block from the beach, so we would wake up and like go see the beach and just yeah. hang out. And Central America is like abundant with stray dogs. Yeah. So like the dogs everywhere, and we're just like dogs fighting everywhere, and like mm -hmm. you're just hanging out at the beach, and it just doesn't it doesn't seem real, you know? Yeah. Yeah. But yeah, I think I, I remember telling people it's like I when you were talking about the vulnerability of like you want social media to be this journal for people I think that like when I was abroad like that was what I had to make sure people knew I was like alive and okay yeah. and I wasn't gonna spend like forty dollars in data to like call every single person and so yeah. I just remember like that was kind of like I think I always did that um but I think it just got really amplified when I traveled yeah yeah yeah, definitely. And I wanted to ask you, so traveling and doing it with a cause and there's how apt do you think you were for change? How much did you embrace change before you left and then being there? Because when you're going to a new country every month and you're meeting new people all the time, like how did you manage burnout? How did you manage? Because your brain grief isn't just when people pass away, grief is change. Yeah. And a lot of times you go into that like numb state where things just move really fast when things change yes. immediately. 
So like yes. when you travel, your first like week or two, you're kind of just in that like, you know, like numb yeah. state where you're doing stuff and then your brain settles down and you're like, oh, I'm here, you know? Yeah, so and then it's you... like very honeymoon. And then it's yeah. Like, oh, <laughs> so did, awesome. you, did you, do you think that it was the perfect amount of time a month? Because do you think you got there? There was the two weeks of change, then honeymoon, and then you left? <laughs> That's such a good question. That's like a debate of the century. Because <laughs> um, we still talk about it. Like, do you... People still ask, like, do you think you made impact in that short amount of time that you were there? Um, And so I just remember when we were in Panama, we we went to this place called Oma, which was like an indigenous village. And I remember we would like be at the top of this road and then this truck would like go down and there was just rocks everywhere. And you're just like, like, like shaking back and forth. And I remember all these kids heard that truck and they would literally come out of the woodwork and like run after this truck yeah i remember having like these videos of these kids just like like literally um like parkouring like off of these rocks yeah running towards us and i'll never forget the last night we were in oma um this man this these three little boys it was like they were um, a brother and a sister and cousins and more cousins and they all lived in this like really long shack that wasn't even a home that didn't have a ground and um and i remember he looked at me and he said um see you wednesday like in spanish and my friend julie was like no like you're not gonna see us wednesday like we're leaving and we had to like explain to them and he said he said why are you leaving um and i'll never forget like walking away and like sobbing and i'll never forget like living in Costa Rica and like walking away from in Costa Rica we like built a playground for this like um like impoverished neighborhood and I remember the schools were on strike and so the kids were with us like every day and I remember this kid Jeremy being with me every day like by my side painting tires and helping us build this thing for these kids and protecting us and showing us where to go and like I remember he took me to his house one day to meet his mom and I just remember getting on that bus and like crying my eyes out because I had to say goodbye to Jeremy. Yeah. And so I think the cool thing about travel is that, um, yes, I've been to all these places, but man, it feels like I broke up with like eight different people that I spent like yeah. five year relationships with. Yeah. Um, and I think that um, you leave your heart there. Like, mm-hmm. and so you, you pour out and you, out and I think um, for me I would for sure poured my whole stuff out and I think it's kind of one of those things where you just do it again and again and again it was one of those things where Central America was like super hard because I felt like I was breaking up with like all these people and breaking all these children's hearts yeah yeah. but I think the the manifestation of, of like pain that you feel when you have to leave something is a, a direct mirror to the amount of love that was inputted. You know what I mean? Like the fact that those kids were so sad to see you leave is because you showed them so much love, you know, it's, it's kind of the whole yin and yang of pain. <laughs> yeah. Oh, that's beautiful though. And that's just one of the places. <laughs> you went, Zach. Oh, so what was, what was next on the trip? Where'd you so go after that? Panama. And then we went to Costa Rica. Okay. Um, Costa Rica was so cool because it was like the city called Haco and it was very like, 
California-esque and yeah. we, it was it was definitely hard because it was also an all squad month so all of our squad lived together so very much like the challenge like we just lived in this huge like it was like a big house that was like cut in the front so yeah. there was no like closures really and so I remember I lit I like slept in this bed upstairs and I could like see all the city like by like by me. Mm-hmm. And I remember I, like my back was covered in like mosquito bites. Oh, no. And there was no air conditioning. But it was yeah. like the most fun time. And I definitely remember um we would do homeless ministry, which yeah. was something that I was like super passionate about in Orlando. Mm-hmm. And so I would do that. And I remember this guy, his name was Eddie, and he was so cool. And I remember um that he, I told him, like, we would tell, people would be like, why are you here? And so we would tell them that, like, we're going to all these countries um, and that we're helping people and that we're just trying to be there for people. Um, and I remember he asked me that and I told him and he was like, wow, that's so cool. And um, he had, like, a really bad, um, like, drug addiction yeah, and that alcohol problem. And I told him, like, you should go to, like, rehab. Like, you should yeah. go, you should go. And I remember... Um, him saying like you know I can't I can and I remember I would just look at him and say you should go and I remember one day I just like saw him and I like bought him ice cream and we just sat together and it was really hard and I remember there was a day where um he gave me this paper and it was um this paper and it was this painting of his daughter and he said I want you to keep this because every time you see this I want you to think of me and when like you think of me you can like remember me and so i remember the next day i woke up and um our friend's husband had taken him to san jose to go to rehab and so it's what are those things like there's just so much there's a lot of hurt that's like that comes into helping where like that's not talked about that's like this is really painful you know this is hard to go through um and so then we just moved on and I remember like crying when we were leaving Costa Rica and I remember like getting to Nicaragua and like I was like I don't like this I was like I want to go back to Costa Rica (laughs) within like five minutes there's just like kids everywhere and I'm just like in love and it was just so much fun you know and so yeah Nicaragua was like great and yeah I just think everything was really 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 cool yeah and I would say for even like in the U.S. sometimes it it feels difficult to fight for change because it seems like there's so much wrong. Yeah. How was how was tempering maybe your more pessimistic tendencies while you're out trying to help? But you see maybe situations where because um, a lot of help does start with one, right? Like. It, helping one single person helps everybody you know but i think it's also hard when you're in trying situations when you're like what is this doing anything you know what i mean so how did you temper that by being like no i'm here spreading love and all that kind of stuff um i think i just like had to choose joy you know i think yeah yeah i think that we can still love people and like this is probably super prominent right now yeah is we can still love people really well that we disagree with yeah um and so i think for me it was like people like our friend that we met in panama who like 
she was just very, very, like, she just saw a lot of different things than we did. And I just remember looking at her and I just remember like, like loving her. And I just remember yeah. she was the coolest person. And I thought she was so funny and so cool. And so I think there, there's like um, a, a huge, like a bounding sound and there's like an echo in how we love each other when we disagree. Yeah. And so I think um, for me, it was really hard to kind of like love my teammates really well, but then love like, the locals that I'm pouring into really well as well. Mm -hmm. And so I think that was where um, we would sit down and kind of like have this thing called feedback where we like say, hey, this is what I saw in you, you're doing great. And then we'd have constructive, which would be like, hey, you could like maybe do this a little bit better. Um, and so that's where it kind of got tricky where it was like, oh, I don't agree with that. Um, but, and I would be happy like, oh, I don't agree with like your feedback. and. I, it takes a lot. I think um, I'm an eight on the Enneagram. I don't know if you know anything about the Enneagram, but like that, it's really hard for like me to, it's really hard for us to be vulnerable and to like show ourselves as that. And so I think for me, like just the way that um, I'm, I'm viewed says a lot that can like my vulnerabilities is something that I'm practicing every day. Yeah. And so yeah. for me, it was hard to like go into this to with people that I didn't really know and them have mm -hmm. them kind of say these things and, you know, I was super thankful that I have a lot of lasting friendships from, you know, here in Orlando that they've known me my whole life. So it's, it's really different to kind of like bring that and bring a second opinion into that, I guess. Yeah. Um, so yeah, it was, it was a lot to kind of consider, but I'm super, but also it's like, I had feedback that I still think about today that, yeah. I, that I work on that, that was true, you know? Yeah. So I think it's kind of, and I think we kind of got to a point where there was so much safety within our group that would be like, oh, that really hurt my feelings. I'd be like, oh my gosh, I'm so sorry. Like that wasn't my intention at all. Yeah. And so I think it kind of, it really worked. Um, and I think it was just kind of a big adjustment. Yeah. Well, it's kind of a, kind of a small scale, I guess, kind of a little social experiment about what being open and honest and vulnerable can do for a group of people. You know? <laughs> yeah very cool yeah and now i want to get to the star of our uh, podcast it feels like yeah. <laughs> um mr steven what can you tell me about steven because i cannot wait to hear all about this little boy yeah. oh man steven is like oh man i just feel so much for him and i think when we would do these things where we would like go in between countries we would do these things called debriefs so we would go to Malawi and we had a debrief. So our debrief was at Lake Malawi, which is like really this huge, gigantic lake. And so people would live like on this beach. And so it was like this sandy beach town. And I remember we got there really late and we woke up and we were like the only ones like at this hostel. It was very strange. Um, and then these kids came up out of nowhere and they like started playing drums and like singing and I was we were like this is so cool and I think it was gigantic culture shock to go from like corn tortillas um rice and beans and people speaking Spanish so like beautiful colors yeah beautiful architecture to like Africa <laughs> Africa is just like super different the culture is different the people mm -hmm. are different and so I think it was like huge culture shock on a lot of us um for me for sure and so I remember when 
one of those boys, when that band came back, they brought like 20 kids one time. And this kid, I just sat by me and his name was Steven. And he just like, him and I just like became really close friends. Yeah. And we were just like talking and hanging out. And um, I remember I asked him, I said, Steven, what is your dream? And he told me he wanted to like find a cure for malaria one day. Mm-hmm. And malaria is like so common and these people just don't have money to like buy malaria medication. And so they just like hurt and ache and it hurts them. Um, and so I said, wow, that is so cool. And he said, I want to be a doctor and I want to find the cure for malaria. And I'll never forget that time he looked me in my eyes and told me that. And I just remember saying like, you can do that. And I yeah. just remember believing in him so much. Um, How old is Steven? I would say he was 10, 10? Like, okay. and yeah, um, he was, it, it was hard to tell because people were like the average 10 year old looks like a six year old because they're just like really malnourished, yeah. you know? Um, and so for me, it was super hard. And so when we were in Malawi, it was like these people had known that like all these Americans were here and they were going to stay here. So I remember when we walked out of our room one morning to go to breakfast, there was all these men just like selling us necklaces and beads and like paintings and hats. And you could not like walk to your room to like go, go use the restroom without somebody like trying to sell you something. And I just remember like, no, I'm sorry. No, I'm sorry. And um, I just remember we, we, like, Stephen, Stephen was, in Central America, it was super easy to, like, pop your SIM out and then buy a SIM and um, buy data yeah. and then, um, like, have that. So I remember we, one of our teammates wanted to do that to let her parents know that we got here and let her, her family know. And so Stephen, like, took us to where we could find it and he showed yeah. us and um, he used to, like, sing You Are My Sunshine to me all the time. <laughs> And our friend Mike, he like had a guitar and so he knew how to play it and he did yeah. like things to us. And um, I remember it was like one of the last days we were there and um, I had this like from your first international flight, like this blanket and it was like this really long blanket and I gave it to him and I gave him like a tank top that my friend had given me because we would like trade clothes and all kinds yeah. of stuff. And he was like, thank you, thank you, thank you. And I remember every time he would do something for me, he would say, you are most welcome. Yeah. And he would just say in this like really soft-spoken voice, like, you are most welcome. Mm -hmm. And I like, I say that to myself and I like catch myself and I know that it's Steven. Like it's, I only, I only like know him who said that. And I'll say it's like people who come into work and, I just think it's like his legacy, like living on in some way. Um, And so then later that day, he had come back, or I think it was like the next day, something like that. And he said, this is for you. And I opened it and it was like this beautiful, like oil painting on a canvas of like elephants in the sunset. And it said like, by B-Y, like Z-A-K-E, like by Zach. And I remember I was like, are you sure? Like you want me to have this? And I I remember like thinking like, I'm not like worthy of this. Um, And I just remember that he looked at me like, yes, yes, yes. And I remember like saying like, he, like you are most welcome. And I remember like every time I wasn't at something that I needed to be at, I was with Steven. He showed us us this like really cool, like place where we could buy soda and they were all playing volleyball. And 
I just think that, um, like, that was like five days, like five days. Yeah. And I remember um, we had taken like two big vans. I think it was like three vans and we just like squished in these vans. And um, I remember we were loading and I was fine. And then out of nowhere, I just like started bawling, like thinking about saying goodbye to him because he like showed up. Yeah. He showed up. And I remember it was like starting to really come down. Like it was starting to rain a lot. Yeah. And um, my friend Jen says like, whenever it rains, she thinks it's the earth crying. And yeah. so I felt like in that moment, it was like the earth crying. Mm-hmm. Um, and I remember getting on one knee, like crying my eyes out saying like, I believe in your dreams and I believe that you will find the cure to malaria and I believe that you can do those things. Um, And so Dylan, I feel so guilty and I have this guilt of like, I'm here in this air conditioned apartment with lights and there's food and there's hot running water and there's clean water. And Steven who has so much love in the world is literally probably hanging out outside, probably asking somebody to help him give money so he can go to school. Yeah. You know what I mean? And so it's like, that's something where it's like, I don't, I don't feel right. You know, I think travel really changes you because you see all these injustices and then you come back and nobody has like walked this with you. Yeah. None of these people have met these people. Um, my my friends have never met Stephen, and yeah. so that's one of those things where, man, I would I would do anything to be back in that country to see yeah. Stephen. Yeah. yeah, I know that was that's one of your dreams. I, I wrote some of them down that you read from that video, and I think we've touched on a few of them so far. Actually, yeah. Yeah, I know one of them was to go back and and see Stephen one day and help pay for his school. Yeah, I do. I I love him a lot, and I think that it's so telling of like what what just simple time without electronics without you know <laughs> like social media can do for people yeah so i think children are so powerful and children are so so wise and i learned how to be a better friend how to be a better neighbor how yeah. to be a better brother from these children yeah yeah, I think we can all learn from kids a lot in that way. But I'm, I'm so happy that you are here to tell us about Stephen, though, and about these other little kids. You know, and I feel like even though we haven't necessarily experienced it firsthand, I think how human you are and how vulnerable and honest and how willing you are to spread their stories speaks volumes for them. You know, it's kind of like that chain reaction thing. It's like you coming back and telling your stories is going to, convince or make someone else want to go travel and do the same thing and help in some way shape or form and maybe like one of those people won't come back maybe they'll stay there you know what i mean like it's like you never know what your what just like steven had no idea that he made such an impact on zach the tax could go back to the us and just like spread his name (laughs) everywhere you know and so um I was listening to this podcast because it was somebody who her name is Stephanie and her husband's name is Stephen. Yeah. She was talking about how the name Stephen means crowned one. And so I remember I wrote a blog about him and I said how in those, um, like, even though he was somebody, he had next to nothing, Dylan. Yeah. And he made me feel like royalty in my time in Lake Malawi. Wow. 
like sheer royalty. And yeah. so I think it really lives up to his name and who he is and um, just the love he has. Yeah. Is there any, and maybe this is just my ignorance of the world because I haven't left. Is there any way to like get in contact through like letters or anything like that? Or, um, I think or is it that, like very difficult? I think it's very difficult. Yeah. It was like we landed in Malawi and then we probably, I want to say it was like a nine hour bus ride. Yeah. In Malawi and it's a very like small area. I remember it was like, it was like a, like a lake, but it set up like a beach yeah and so i remember one morning i was like walking and i'd gotten bit by a dog and then all these dogs like started chasing me and so a rabies shot was like the last thing i did thought about i was like i'm not gonna get bit by anything and so like here i am in the middle of malawi like i'm gonna die (laughs) it was like um the woman who like ran the hostel the, the workers would call her, like, madam. Like, she was a madam. Yeah. So the madam was like, well, if you you only have, like, 48 hours, and if you die, you're going to die. And I was like, okay, cool. Like, it's totally fine. But, like, it was, like, right on the back of my knee and, like, my, like, like in that little place. And then it was swollen, so huge. Yeah. And, um. Exactly. Like, this is it. Yeah, I was like, I'm done oh man so i was like this is it but uh i survived and then my host our host was funny because they all showed up and it was kind of one of those things where it's like who's getting like picked with who and so he was like oh you'll be fine we're just gonna go to the doctor the next day so like our whole team like piled into the thing and um went to the doctor and my friend julie went back with me and, like, Julie and I were basically on a team the whole time because that time yeah. in Malawi we had a team change. And then the last two months were, like, gender months. So it was, like, girls with girls and boys with boys. Yeah. So for me, like, I'm thankful for people like Julie because she's somebody who – she's the one who saw me, like, crying on the street with Steven and somebody yeah. who watched – um, me had like comforted me when I left kids in Panama and so I'm forever thankful for people like Julie and people who have walked these things with me and um, I don't know it's just really cool to kind of look back and realize like our our lives are so mundane now we're like working jobs but we're like you can't you were so thankful to like have those experiences in the same in the same breath you know yeah yeah definitely yeah awesome well i think this is a good time as any for us to hop into a break uh so we have a little commercial break and then when we get back zach's going to talk to us um a little more on some advice he has for people other than getting your rabies shot that's a big one up there (laughs) (laughs) yeah and then we're going to go into um, a video that he posted recently about his 101 dream or his 100 dreams and then also talk a little bit about uh, the Black Lives Matter movement and everything that's going on right now in the U.S. So we'll be right back.
And now for our small business spotlight. A message from Ricard Torres with Air Market Group. Are you a digital nomad looking for ultimate freedom, wanting to travel on your own terms? Maybe you love the outdoors and dream of owning a small plane to explore unique grass strips. Or do you prefer the luxuries and speed that come with flying in a private jet? You may be saying to yourself, I love it, but that's also expensive. Join Hakar with Air Market Group as they are helping our generation towards the future of aviation. Things are changing fast. It's time you caught up. Check out the blog on whereishakar.com or on Instagram at whereishakar. Now, back to the show. All right, Wild World, we are back after our commercial break. And again, we are with Zach Davis, world traveler. I think his Instagram bio <laughs> says, uh, what is it? Vagabonds? Yeah. What is it? There's three on there. <laughs> yeah. Vagabond, um, Justice Seeker. I forget the middle one. To be and honest. Storyteller. Storyteller. We're here to do all That's three, great. which is awesome. Yeah. But um, so we've talked about your story and everything that you've been through, your trips abroad and things like that. And what I really want to get from you now is maybe for people listening who, and I encounter this all the time when I talk about where I've traveled to, a lot of people, especially in like smaller towns in the USA, are, they always respond with like, oh, but like, how am I supposed to do that? Yeah. Like, I, I can't go and apply for this program. Like I, I can't afford to go travel and that kind of thing. So like, what would you, what avo- advice would you have for people who want to have the experience you did want to give back and, and travel and change things? Wow. That's incredible. Um, that's a good question. Uh, I would say that like, I would go back to what we said, what Donner, Donald Miller said and say, fear is a medieval emotion that tricks us into living a boring life. Yeah. So, um, Shana Nyquist is another great author that I really, really love. And she has this quote in one of her books and it says, everybody has a home team and it kind of goes in depth of like, they're, you know, you're no matter what kind of people call in the middle of the night kind of people. And so I think that like your, your tribe, your home team, whatever you call it, like your, your family, your friends, they show up for you. And so I think if you have this dream, man, my friends like have these dreams and I am like in, in this dream with them. And I'm like in this dream to make their dreams come true as well. And I remember my friend Maddie, like, her and I would talk and she like her dreams, like when she hurts, I hurt. And so like, we get like the whole tone of the conversation changes. And we were just talking yesterday and I, it hurts me when she hurts. And so I think when it's huge, when one, you, you have this dream cause it's a dream and all your dreams are valid. Yeah. And two, you have a story to tell. You have things that you have to say and what you have to say is important. And three, 
you have the ability. So we're so blessed as Americans to be able to go out of the country and have all these opportunities. Um, but there's, you would be shocked. And I think I was shocked when I traveled that there are so many people who won in here when we went out of there, you know what I mean? Like they want to come here and like build this life and rightfully so. And I think when I lived in Honduras, it was like so many people that when I lived on Honduras, that was when the time when the caravan was reaching the border. And so we um, knew people who knew people that were on their way there have chosen to be a part of that. And so it was very, very historical and monumental to kind of be on this other side of history. within that so i would say that one your dreams are totally valid two don't like never say never don't say i can't um and so when i was a camp counselor i was very big on we don't say i can't in this cabin and so i tell my friends that like you can you're able to you're you're in control of your actions and your reactions and that's all you're in control of yeah and so i would say start with something small start with something that like take big risks like you were saying like just quit your job and start over and you you have the power to like your your people they know you and so they know that like you are a good human and maybe they don't agree with what you're doing but you should follow your dreams and so i would say um start somewhere that you think is maybe closer or maybe easier to get to or like Central America or there's plenty of really cool resources that um, if you're not like a believer, if you're not someone that has faith that they just need somebody that's like medical or somebody that is um, like wants to backpack with purpose. So that Mm -hmm. kind of thing, I would say for sure. Yeah. Yeah. And I think, and I think it's something I've said on the podcast before, but like the power of an idea when you give it weight is Absolutely. insane. Like I remember mine all started like I in Florida, like when I went to school down there and stuff too, like I, I like to go camping, but this was like literally just like campground camping on the lake with like people in my fraternity and stuff. But when I came out here, it was like when I picked up into the wild the book and i read that through that's when like this little flame started of like oh yeah. like maybe i want to do some of this and then it was like book after book just researching online and then eventually i bought uh, rolf potts vagabonding which is like a oh, cool. how-to guide on like how to live on thing <laughs> and travel around and after i read that i was like oh god this is happening like this is, it can't not happen now you know and i think that's the cool thing about giving weight to those ideas is that and anyone sitting at home right now thinking that they want to go travel the world, you know, and they want to give back and help. I think it's important to note the longevity of life. And like that idea is in your brain. If you invest 10 minutes a week, you know what I mean? Looking into it, I promise you it might take five years, but you're going to be there, you know? And I think that's the cool thing is like, we're, we tend to be very short-sighted and we're right. like, oh, it's not happening now. It's never going to happen, you know? And I think, I don't know. I think people, I mean, it's hard to say you need to believe in, in themselves and their dreams. And it's, it's sad that we have to tell people that, but it's like you, you're put here for a reason, you know? Yeah. And it, like, even how we were talking about earlier, like Zach, this initial dream and the other dreams that you've had, like moving to Texas and then going on the world or going uh, like around the world and giving back, those may have at one point in time seemed like the dream. To me, traveling for like 46 days was the dream. And then I got back and I was like, 
oh wow i have more of these (laughs) you know and like i think it's it's that catapulting factor and that stepping stone that i don't know that your life right now is so different than the way your life is going to be in five years and you can either choose to like stay stagnant and comfortable or you can do take action that propagates whatever that future is you know yeah for sure went on a rant but (laughs) i love it yeah my friend i will never forget so clearly um my friend katie she has been somebody that's like i've completely looked up to in the sense Mm -hmm. of like we can be Christian and have this, or we can believe this, but also believe this. And I remember one day I said something to her and she looked at me and she goes, your words are powerful, Zach. Do you know that? And I remember that it was, I don't think it was something I said nice. I think it was something that I said mean. And so I think it's something that I carry with me that like, your words hold weight and your words are powerful. And so we have this like option to like, we can speak life or we can like speak death. Mm -hmm. And so I think I've just chosen that I'm going to live a life that like speaks life and brings people together. And, you know, when I think about words, I think about what Katie said. I hear Katie in the back of my head every time where she said, your words are powerful. Yeah. And I think it's so simple where like, man, we have storytellers like you on the front lines that are telling their stories and being vulnerable and sharing the words that people need to hear. Um, And so I think sometimes when we have these dreams and it seems like impossible, we need like a voice that we can trust and words that we can trust and words that hold weight that will say, hey, I believe in this with you. Yeah, yeah, you got to find your tribe. And I think is, and at the very least, like a very good part of building community whether through maybe it's like faith or sports and that kind of stuff early on in life or like finding that is because for me, a lot of my life was just, my community was friends and family. And I feel like until you branch out and like join other groups where there might be a specific interest, you don't really realize how many different kinds of communities you can have and how important all those are to like you as a person overall, you know? And it's like, if you want to travel the world, and you're hanging out with all your friends who have all these different backgrounds, like their community for you is support and friendship, but maybe you need to join a a community of people who want the same dream that you do, you know, and that's how those can propagate or like joining a community of people who are fighting for some dream. It might not be the same, but a group of people that are, are dreaming, you know, and it's like, we need to make space in our lives for other groups of, for joining other groups, other communities so that we can grow along with them. You know, it's like, agreed. Yeah. I think that like sometimes you can just kind of need to, I think when I think about my life in like Texas and I think about my friends I made in like Nicaragua and my friends that I grew up with and my friends that I went to high school with. And when I think about things like my wedding day, there's going to be all these people from all these seasons. And I think when like you're a kid and you like have your like soccer friends and then you have your like school friends or you have your boy scout friends and then you have your like um you know your basketball friends and there's like kind of this like weird shift but now like adults and it's so cool to watch these people from these seasons root for you in like a Mm -hmm. bunch of different ways yeah 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 and i think that's the i wrote down a few words um from when we talked before and then just scrolling through instagram uh that just really felt like what you embody um, kind of, and what you try to live by and things like that. And a few of them, that I, we haven't touched on forgiveness yet, but I, I really want to um, in a couple minutes. But like I had forgiveness, growth, faith, 
grace and love. And I feel like kind of what you're saying about how each season of life you move into with other people and these other opportunities and experiences, I feel like those traits are something that because you give that off to the world, people will give it back to you and receive it. And it's like, as you move across this planet now, you know what I mean? It's like, you are just building your community of love. Totally. Same way that Steven is every, everyone that comes through, you know what I mean? Like he's just putting a little piece of his heart in everybody, you know? And it's, Oh yeah. It's a really beautiful thing when you lead a life um, with tenants like that, how, how large of a group you can, you can accumulate in that love, you know? Mm-hmm. Yeah, I agreed completely. But um, I know we did talk about how everything wasn't beautiful and peachy all the time <laughs> in your adventure. <laughs> yeah, for sure. So, um, I wanted to give you the floor for a little bit to talk about that. And um, I, th- I just think it's important that like, there's always going to be some sort of of roadblock or negative aspect when you're chasing a dream, you know, and it's, it's what you do with that, where that really helps you figure yourself out and define those moving forward. So, yeah, that's, that's really good. Um, I think that like, for me, that trip was super pivotal in the sense of who I am today. Mm -hmm. And those like moments and feedback in the beginning, they were like not pretty and they were times where I did not want to take ownership. And so now I'm definitely somebody who was like, oh my gosh, I was wrong. I'm so sorry. Yeah. And I ask for forgiveness and I say, hey, do you, will you forgive me? And so I think that's a sentence that like holds a lot of weight in my book. It's like, hey, will you, for, will you forgive me? Yeah. And I think we kind of ask, we don't really ask. We just say, I forgive you. And I think some people, they don't know uh, the weight of it. And I think, yeah. they, okay, I forgive you. And it swept under the rug and there's like all these internal feelings. Mm-hmm. And I like clearly remember people, people like telling other people or me telling people like, I just need some time to like sit with this. And I, I like can't forgive you right now. You yeah. know, and I think that forgiveness is huge. Um, when I spoke, I spoke about our, my friend, Julie, Julie and I were like, we used to like get really like butt into heads yeah. but julia somebody when i talk to her about this all the time about like i love my time with julie and i yeah. loved the moments where she called me out where she said this is not like this you are better than this yeah and so when i think about forgiveness i think about julie somebody who i can spend an hour on the phone with just catching up and hearing about our lives and we're not holding a grudge of the things that we would like say to each other or do to each other you know what i mean and so i think we're such a beautiful example of what pure forgiveness looks like yeah so i think going into that i came home from that trip and i asked a lot of people for forgiveness still and i said hey i am not the same person that like left this country like eight months ago like yeah I'm sorry for this and I like took ownership and I said hey I'm sorry for this I'm sorry for this will you forgive me mm-hmm. and I'll, I won't I will never forget like even just um being at my friend's wedding recently and talking to one of my dear friends um girlfriends and being like hey I'm sorry for like any of these things that I had upset you about will you forgive me yeah and that was something that like that, that was huge for me because I wanted to forgive. I had all these people that I wanted to to sit down and say, hey, I, mm-hmm. I'm for you. I love you. Um, and I think, you know, growth is a really great word because I think it shows a lot of growth, you know, and yeah. I think I, 
I think in the same breath, I can be, uh, I can be really intense, like, cause I'm, I'm ready to like fight for justice. I'm ready yeah. to fight for equality. I'm ready to fight for the people I love. Um, and <laughs> Chris, he calls, I think it's him. He said about Enneagram mates, they are a, a match in the sense that they can be a fire that you grow cozy and close with, or they can burn the whole city down. <laughs> and so I've like learned to discern what it looks like to be angry for yeah. injustice and what it looks like to be gentle in the way that I approach things and the way that I ask for forgiveness. Yeah. All of those things. And I think those are, that's just such sage advice that people don't normally, I think, pick up till a little bit later in life. And forgiveness is just, I think it's, it's a cornerstone of a happy life at the end of it. Because if you live, if you live and have this resentment toward different things that have happened or you live and you never ask for forgiveness and tell people that you're sorry for things you did and they have resentment towards you it's just like this this fuming that no one wins in. you know it's kind of like the whole revenge idea is an eye for an eye makes the whole world blind that whole thing right. it's mm-hmm. like if we're both in pain nobody's winning you know yeah right have you, have you found um forgiveness in yourself for the guy that uh hit you in texas <laughs> yeah for <sure. laughs> I for sure have okay. I think that like man I probably should go forgive him or something like he probably like has a lot of nightmares about hitting <laughs> all the time or something yeah. um but yeah I do and I think um I think I wanted to get out of this small like this like small town like my hometown because there were so many things that happened in high school that like I did that did not sit well with me that didn't that I didn't like and so I chose to leave those things and what I learned along the way is that those things they don't just like reconcile or resolve Mm -hmm. themselves when you leave your hometown they follow you yeah and so it took a lot of like really uh some really hard moments to like look myself in the eye and say okay like you know, I forgive this, I forgive that. Um, And so I think, you know, going into being one back in America, and two back in this hometown, it's very, very different in the sense that I think before I chose bitterness, and I chose passivity, and I chose um, anger, and I think Mm -hmm. now I'm just choosing joy. Yeah. Yeah. Like something that like, hey, I'm I'm where I am right now and like things could be a lot different, mm-hmm. but I'm choosing joy. Yeah. I would love to go back and do all of these things over, but I'm, and I can choose bitterness, but I'm going to choose joy in this. Mm-hmm. Yeah. No, I love it. I love it. And now I want to move into um, your hundred dreams video Yeah, that you posted um, because I feel like, and it, it's unfortunate, but a lot of people, until you talk about difficult topics like racism in the U.S. and police brutality and things like that, it doesn't become personal for people who it doesn't affect. And yeah. I feel like your video did such a good job of you being, and you said, even in the video, you said, I'm coming at you like this, not like this. You're coming yeah. in kindness, not in battle, you know, and mm-hmm. just having it 
you telling your story about how it's personally affected you and your fears of wanting to achieve these hundred dreams, you know, which everyone has the right to, not even just Americans, everyone in the world has the right to pursue their dreams in life, you know? And I I would love for you to, to one, just kind of tell us how you're feeling in this time. And I really just want to give you the floor right now to tell us your story and how you feel about the Black Lives Matter movement and what, what maybe some of your friends who haven't experienced racism firsthand, some of your white friends who, how can they help? How can they be, be an ally and, mm-hmm. and help during this time? And maybe just shed light on all of it for the world that maybe needs to hear it, you know? Yeah, for sure. Um, wow. Uh, that's a lot. <laughs> I know it's, <laughs> I just threw a lot of questions at you. Sorry. Yeah, no, you're okay. Someone really close to me said, we were talking about this, like just all of this. And yeah. um, she said, I want to check in on you. And I told her, I was like, you realize that definitely could have been me. Somebody like George yeah. Floyd, somebody like Ahmaud Arbery, somebody like Breonna Taylor. Like I live alone here in this apartment. And so yeah. that could easily, you know, have been me. Yeah. And so it's one of those things. And I remember she said, but you, you don't do bad things. So that would never happen to you. And I said, you're not understanding it. Mm-hmm. I said, Ahmaud Arbery was literally running, like mm-hmm. running. Like we put on our brooks, we put on our hokas and we run. And I don't think people realize that he, that's exactly what he was doing in the yeah. same way that you would go run or you would stop at the coffee shop after with your friends after a run. Like that's exactly what he was doing. Yeah. And then he literally was murdered. And so I think it's not even like you this could happen to any of us. And so I think racism, they don't see that I do good things. They don't see that I've done all these things for good people or that I'm a good person or that I um, work, you know what I mean? They just see the color of my skin and they don't like it. And so um, I think my, I I personally am just hurting. I'm hurting that um, this is happening. I'm, I feel like it's incredible because Dylan, we are living in history right now. Like they will talk about this in textbooks. They will talk about this to our children um, and to our grandchildren about all of these things that are happening within this span of like months. Um, And so I think that when, when your grandchildren look at you and they ask you, what did you do to help these people? Or what was it like? What are you going to tell them? Yeah that's that's what i want to ask the world mm-hmm. um, and so i am blessed to have people who are on my home team that yeah. they have you know supported me and that they have asked and sought um wisdom and just sought you know what is it what is it like to experience racism yeah. um and for me i think I, I really want to highlight, I was like adopted by white parents and I, I have white parents. And so for me, I remember somebody also told me, you can never experience racism because you're adopted by white people. That is like 100% not true. Yeah. And so I just want to note that like, even, and I remember even like going to like, errands with my sister people would just look at us weird and all like being like younger and stuff like they didn't look at us as brother and sister they looked at us as like boyfriend and girlfriend or like a weird couple or he was going to hurt her and so I just think 
there's so much like subtle racism that's yeah. happening in the world. And I think this is a time where people are like, unfortunately, but fortunately, truly showing their true colors and yeah. saying how they feel. And um, I think that if you like to drink your coffee black, Dylan, and I like to put creamer in it, we're like at a gray area where we disagree. And, or if you like meatballs with your spaghetti and I don't, it's like, there we were disagreeing. It's like racism is nothing that we should be yeah. disagreeing on. You, like there's no gray area. Like yeah. I use those examples because it's like, we can have gray area and like, I want to go to this national park and you want to go to that national yeah. park, you know, and, and there shouldn't be a gray area in racism. There shouldn't yeah. be a gray area in saying, well, or but, and so you are one, promoting the deaths of black lives and two, um, promoting like racism, yeah. accepting racism, yeah. um, endorsing racism, which is scary. Yeah. Um, and so I think the question that I asked earlier is probably the one that's going to scream the loudest come three months from now, come 10 years from now, mm -hmm. come a week from now. It's like, when they ask you what you did, what are you going to do when yeah. you're, when you're black and I, I remember I posted something like, like you're white, like white friends, you should be checking on your black friends because yeah. This, yeah. this is not something that for me, it's felt like, and I was listening to this podcast and I agree completely. And this is how I'm going to put it. Like, you know, on your birthday, you get like 50 birthday texts and a couple calls and you'll get a call from like, you know, your grandparents or your, your mom and then your dad and all these people. And so I felt like I was, my phone was blowing up, but it was like, I'm sorry. Yeah. And one, I, I am never going to be sorry for being black. And two, I am sorry that racism exists. Mm -hmm. So if you're saying sorry for me for being black, I don't want that because I'm proud to be black and mm -hmm. I'm proud to, I'm, I'll never forget, Dylan, when somebody was going on the world race, they looked at me and, and I told them that I was doing that program. They said, you're going to have an easier time and people were going to connect with you because of the color of your skin. Because black, like being black has power in Africa. They feel close to you. In Central America, I look Dominican um, for sure. So there was all these aspects that were coming together. And so I guess what I'm, what I, I just think a lot of things. Like I think that if that were to happen to me, there, there would be people that are being like people to George Floyd and are saying, well, you were this, but you did this. Yeah. And man, that hurts my heart. And like, how in vain is your death? If people are going to sit there and talk to you about that, you know, because I've done all these great things still. And like, we're talking about all this fun things I've done, but Dylan, if that happened to me, there would be a rap sheet that would be like, but you've done this, yeah. but you stopped here. You know what I mean? So it's crazy to think that it, it truly exists. You know, it's like, it's kind of like Santa, like you never really see it, yeah. but you, you know it's like you believe it's real and so mm -hmm. it's like now you're seeing it everywhere yeah um and so i think that we need um we need help we need our mm -hmm. friends to check on us we need our people 
um, this isn't something that's like gonna go away. Mm -hmm. This isn't something that's being like stepped down from anytime soon. And so I think we need our people to check on us. We also need white allies as well. And not, mm-hmm. not just white allies, like white accomplices, people who are going mm-hmm. to fight against racism with us to mm-hmm. end systemic racism in our time. Yeah. So in the same breath that like, you know, we are on a tennis team and we're fighting for the same team it's like we we don't just need somebody that's going to cheer us on on the sidelines. We need somebody that's going to show up, yeah. you know, somebody that's going to use their platforms, their conversations with their families, the conversations with their friends, the conversations, um, you know, just in random places to to do those things, yeah. you know. And I love I love the metaphors that you have for it. You had a few good ones too in your hundred dreams video because it it kind of chunks it down into something more digestible so people can understand maybe what you go through on a day-to-day basis and other black people do, you know? And yeah. um, the, the one thing that I was, I saw posted um, the other day was kind of how you were talking about they, people are going to find something negative um, in George Floyd's history and anyone's history when this happens. And they have the, at the end of the day, you should not be killed for any of those things. Like it doesn't matter anything someone did before, but I saw it might've been a tweet or a post and it was like, about Brock Turner. It was like Brock Turner raped somebody and got out of prison early because of all the things he could become. And then it's like George Floyd was killed and everyone's thinking about all the bad things he's ever done before. You know, it's like, I think that we're, we're becoming very, very aware of all the inherent racism in our society. And the more, examples that you give, the more you speak, the more everyone keeps talking and pointing out these hypocrisies. You know what I mean? Like I I do hope, I hope for change, you know? And I do want to talk to you about, you you posted about um, going to your first ever protest. Yeah. In Orlando, I want to know how that experience was for you. Wow, that was um, so, so powerful. That was like probably one of the coolest things I think I could have ever done and I think um I went with two friends that I worked at REI that I work with at REI and like I just love that um they wanted to be there for me and they wanted to fight for me yeah that those two friends are Latina and white and so for those friends to show up in the way that they did like that's what showing up looks like and so I think for me I remember just breathing and like looking all around me and hearing these people scream black lives matter and realizing we are currently writing history we are um martin luther king had a message but this time around we have allies Mm -hmm. so we have a message and we have allies and so and even to like like i said earlier to go further in that we need accomplices and accomplices not that we're gonna like kill people like not accomplice to murder but an accomplice that look like fighting for justice is scary fighting for justice is hard but fighting for justice will never not be necessary Mm -hmm. and it's always necessary and you have the power like you have i believe so much in people and who they are and what they're going to be and so i believe that we can all come together and fight against racism and i it starts with one having super uncomfortable conversations 
with people that we love really dearly. And I think it's say it, um, it looks like bringing some pushback and saying, no, I don't agree with that. Like, or yeah. no, you're wrong or no, these are the facts. And then it looks like fighting for justice together. Yeah. And so that protest really changed me in the sense that, um, you know, I remember I was with my sister and I remember just sitting next to her being like holding arm in arm with her. And as two black people who um, have grown up, you know, together and grown up with white parents um, and grown up in a predominantly white places, yeah. it was incredible to see people from in my my point of view is incredible to see people come down there that weren't black and say, here's water, here's crackers, yeah. here's all these things that you need. And I think we're going to, there are so many tiny details that went into that day that I'll like never forget. And yeah. so I think, um, and I don't even think those are near being over. And I think that yeah. it's powerful to say, Hey, um, you're, we're going to fight this together. Yeah. So I think, yeah, and I think we're there's a day twenty. What'd you say? We're on day twenty of protest. Day twenty. Day 20. Yeah. So I think that, um, yeah, I think that your voice matters, like in the same way that mine does, and I think sometimes, depending on who our tribe is, like, and who our home team is, those people are gonna hear you, and they're going to fight to understand what you're saying. And so that's why it's important that our friends say the hard things to the people that they want to, you yeah. know, and we need people with platforms like you and people who are fighting alongside us like you that are literally just saying, Hey, this is what I am. What can I do? And I, and you're yeah. showing up. Yeah. And so I think it looks really different for different people. And I remember I went to dinner with a friend and he said, well, I'm kind of more introverted and I'm kind of, scared to do something like a protest but i also like care about you and i care about this cause what does it look like for me yeah and i remember i told him you know you can you can read literature you can mm -hmm. donate money you can donate time you can be one of those people that hands out water bottles you can be one of those people that you know puts a black lives matter sign outside your house yeah. there's so many things that um with big big moves like they echo like loud wise voices echo with gentle gentleness and so i think that video i think it really impacted a lot of people because it was not like you know like screaming in someone's yeah. ear it was i think inviting people into the vulnerable parts of my life yeah. and saying that my life matters and so if you care about me you'll help me to yeah. fight this exactly because in the same people that are um being going to these protests and you're seeing them man that racism looks at them the same way that it looks at me mm -hmm. yeah. for sure it's incredible zach and i feel like the the way that you did the video is a testament to why you've been so impactful in your life in general before that, you know, it's just like, I feel like you lead with a calmness and a love that people resonate with a lot, you know? And another thing I wanted to talk to you about, because it's not like, I feel like a lot of focus gets on like how to tell your white allies to like help better. But I think it's also 
black people are going through this. Black people are going through the racism. And, I, and, and do you have any advice for anyone black who might be listening about what you're going through right now, just in terms of the, the heartbreak and having, like I saw a tweet that was like, it's not my responsibility to educate my friends to not be racist. And it's true. You know, it's like, I feel like a lot of people are reaching out to their black friends or the, and asking advice on how to do stuff. So what advice do you have for anyone black who's getting overloaded with all these messages and doesn't know, just is like trying to figure out like their emotions through it all right now. Cause they're the ones going through the grief or trauma more. Yeah. First, you know? Um, I would say you are a hydro flask in the sense that you are like pouring out and you are hydrating people. That is your purpose. You are educating all these people, but at, at some point you have to fill yourself back up. Yeah. So what does it look like to, um, bring self care into running a movement in the sense that like, Man, when I spend time with people that I trust and voices that that know me and that care about me, that's what's going to recharge my life. Yeah. And people that I can verbally process and say, this is crazy or like, you know, all of these things. And so I think it looks like bringing self-care into um, into really loud moments where you're posting all of these things. But I don't think when you're posting all these things that people are truly like realizing how you're feeling, you know what I mean? And so I think I saw something that said like, you need to be tender with black people right now because we are like hurting. And that's so, so true. Like we are very much hurting. And so I think it's really hard to kind of, negotiate not negotiate but just kind of um discern like well am am i doing enough Um, and i think that's something that we can get really tied up in in our worth and how will this legacy you know be viewed upon me and so i think that you know you need to take those moments of self-care whether it looks like you take a day from social media or you spend time with people you truly love or um you watch a movie that makes you feel good Mm -hmm. or you like fake cookies you know like it looks so different for so many different people but um you're worthy of that rest yeah it is still continuing and you're an intricate part of this fight but there's also people that are going to carry you as well yeah definitely yeah for sure oh zach Zach, Zach, Zach. Um, we were talking before um, about the, the unique nature of this interview as opposed to other ones I've done just because you've achieved a lot of those dreams and we're talking in retrospect. But I wanted to read off the, some of the ones you listed in that video. Yeah, for sure. Um, and then I want to I wanna talk to you about um, what's next for you, you know, and what... Yeah. Um, so here, the ones I have written down are... And they're all so wholesome. Like, I feel, <laughs> like I, I mean, I was, in, I, I was in business school and finance. So like a lot of my friends' dreams were like, become the CEO of a company, you know? But like yeah. Zach's here are invite homeless over for Christmas, invite a homeless person, um, go back to Malawi and find Steven, visit Colorado with your father, um, start your own nonprofit. You want to become a barber at some point. Yeah. Um, live in Central America for a year. Uh, meet Bob Goff, which I, I'm sorry, I don't know who Bob Goff is. <laughs> okay, <laughs> but those are just a few of the ones I have written down, and I think, um, yeah, I think just 
tying back to, to the whole reason you made the video, it's, it's thought provoking because like, these are questions I wish that we could have asked George Floyd or Ahmaud Arbery or Breonna Taylor, you know, like they had a notebook, they had a list of dreams. Everyone at one point in their life has written down what they want to accomplish, you know, and it's, yeah. I think it's, it's such an obvious reason that we need to push for change because people's dreams are literally being murdered, you know? Yeah. And yeah, I, I, it's, it's tough, Zach. Yeah. I, I wish I could understand better, you know? And um, I know I, I, I talked about not wanting to be too much on like how to help white people be, like in the ring fighting um but do you have any advice for and i i think it's we i think we talked before about like when you're old like if you're 50s and 60s and you've maybe lived by some of these inherently racist structures your whole life and it, it's difficult for you to like kind of look back at your whole life and be like oh i was wrong it's hard to say you're wrong when you're our age yeah. like when you've lived yeah. it your whole life so i guess what what advice do you have to, for people for starting fresh, maybe like any videos to watch, books to read, like anything that can can help people better understand and help people fight, you know? Um, uh, I would say a good book to read is Love Does. By Love Bob Does? Yeah, okay. by Goff. That's a great one. Um, White Fragility is just kind of talking. It's a really great book that people can read. Um, that's more on just like the fragility of white people. Yeah. Um, Everybody Always by Bob Goff is an incredible, incredible book. Yeah. In the sense that it talks about how like we are all connected and like we are all neighbors. Um, and I think it's so cool because I think that like I never thought of it that way until I read that book. And I yeah. think that um it's been really challenging me to be a better neighbor and i think that you know steven was my neighbor at one point and wow. i think the kids in costa rica were my neighbor at one point and the kids who literally lived in the neighborhood right next to us in nicaragua were our neighbors yeah so i think it's one of those things where um we have neighbors all around us and what does it look like to show up for your neighbor and love your neighbor and yeah. fight for your neighbor and you like you were my neighbor at one point yeah and that's so cool <laughs> that like we live completely on completely different places in the world completely yeah. different time zones but it's um you like you are a neighbor and you are somebody that's going to be a neighbor and it doesn't just go away because we don't live close to each other and so i think in the sense of um you leaving you allowing yourself to be vulnerable and allowing for those things to happen it's what it's what starts those things to kind yeah. of say okay these are people you know that i want to show up for you know mm -hmm. yeah yeah oh. well zach this has been incredible I'm talking to you. And there's, there's a quote that I, I love a lot and it's called, it's your fingerprints never fade from the lives you touch. And I'm thankful to know you and to know that you've left your fingerprints on so many hearts, you know, Thanks. So I know you're going to keep doing it and <laughs> I want to check in too and see what's, what, so yeah, what's happening next? <laughs> 
<laughs> Sorry, yeah, before we go, I don't know what's next on your list. Um, I don't know. I think that is something that I've learned to kind of find peace in, that um, within that three months of being in a, a neck brace, I was like, I'm going to go travel the world after this. Yeah. Bye. And um, I think everything can be like that. And yeah. so I that's the beauty of life is that we we can drop everything if you choose to risk it and we can drop mm -hmm. everything and live out of the mundane out mm -hmm. of um the day-to-day -day. and i think we're all worthy of those experiences and i mm -hmm. think that those experiences don't look like stevens to you but i think yeah. you're gonna find somebody that feels like steven to me yeah. and you're gonna find somebody that um you know that you really really shakes you really impacts yeah. your life and so i think that um i really struggle being back sometimes and i really look back on my time abroad and i'm like i am just in this apartment that's really not a big apartment but i it just seems so huge because you're just used to living with all these different people and you're used to living in a tent or you're used to living in all these weird places um and so we have this video at REI that like promotes our adventure trips and it talks about how like how is it, how crazy is it that we could be strangers and then turn into friends and then she says how crazy is it that a thousand strange places have felt like home yeah and so i feel like i've left my heart in a thousand strange places and i think that um even more so now i'm going to promote vulnerability and fight for the people that I love and invite people into this life that looks like being loved. And so I think, I don't know what's next, but I know that vulnerability will still be an anthem and that love will still be an anthem. Yeah. And I think that um, growth will always be an anthem. Amazing. Yeah. Well, do you have any last words? Or did you, I guess those were kind of your, your last... <laughs> That was, that was a good Dylan is the freaking coolest. <laughs> That's my you are is mutual, Zach. You are a really incredible human and I think that man, you deserve to be affirmed in the way that you fought for black lives that I've seen and I know that you've shown up and I know that you have so much love to give and I'm very, very proud to know you and I'm proud to be on this podcast because I know that you are changing the way that people think the way that people see and the way that people love and so know that like your labor is not in vain and know that you're not just it's not for nothing um and know that you have impact i'm very proud of you thank you zach i appreciate that yeah you were just like the nicest person in the <laughs> i feel like oh man i'm looking forward to the book or the movie or whatever on your life is going to come out no i really do appreciate it though and um thank you so much for being on i think this is a very impactful episode and it's going to help a lot of people yeah and in the same place that like we were talking about you know your family like doesn't live here anymore you've left your heart in this this is one of the thousand strange places that you've left your heart. Yeah. Um, know that you always have a home here. Thank you, Zach. Yeah. And I look forward to seeing you soon in person. Yeah. Whatever that might please. be. <laughs> All right. Thank you for your time, Dylan. Yeah. Thank you, Zach. 
And that concludes our episode with Zach Davis. Um, as always, if you enjoyed this podcast episode, if you enjoyed any of the episodes, uh, try and leave us a review on iTunes, uh, rate us there, or just make sure you spread it to friends and family. Um, if you'd like to be on the podcast, make sure to reach out. Let me know what you're doing, uh, why you're excited about it, and what you want to help people with. Um, and as always, I wish you all a wild tomorrow. Stay safe.